Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. So this is, um, I don't know how many times I've said this, but um, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there that I think that this is going to be the, the end of our series on testimony. I really think this is going to be the last one until I tell you next week that it's not. Um, but let me see what I want to say. You know what I noticed as we're just getting started in the service this morning? We're, Christians, we really are funny people, you know that? And like really in a goofy kind of way, we're really funny people, um, which makes sense, you know, for, to be spirit-led people, that is a little goofy, okay? And I, I got to just pick on Paul for a minute. I love Paul. He's always had a high value, maybe more than anybody I've ever known. He's always known the power of testimony and has an extremely high value for testimony, I mean, far more than me. God's revealing this stuff to me <laughs> weekly. But he's got it. And he cracks me up because this morning he's up here and he's saying, I'm not going to give you my testimony. <laughs> and then he goes on and gives his testimony. I mean, it might have been <laughs> the shortest version ever and in a different way than I've ever heard it before, but the man just couldn't help himself. <laughs> and I think that that's obedience. I think that's just the spirit of God in him. He he couldn't help it. He's just being obedient. I'm not going to give you my testimony. Okay, let me go ahead and tell you my testimony. I <laughs> <sighs> appreciate you, Paul. Um, <laughs> turn with me. You know, we're going to start like I always do. We're going to start with some grounding scriptures to get us going. And as I tell you every week, we've got to start with love. If you don't know who you are in Christ, if you don't know how he thinks about you, then you're not going to receive this very well. And um, we don't want that. We want to be transformed, right? So go with me to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 16. Here in verse 16, it says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away. You see the progression there? When you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there's freedom. Okay, now keep your finger there. I'm going to keep reading. I just want to say, today, I, every week I've been putting off what we're going to do today because it's kind of a, it's a real practical kind of nuts and bolts message, which is kind of out of character for me. But if you're not careful, you may feel like I'm trying to put some sort of legalism or add rules to things, okay? So we're going to start right here. We're just going to acknowledge that um, this is saying where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, okay? So what we're going to talk about today is the responsibility of stewarding testimony, Okay? Jesus' example and what the Word of God has to say about stewarding. If testimony is this powerful thing, and we're going to talk about that, is literally the power of God in this place to transform and, and fill dark things with light, to, to transform from death to life. The testimony, the love that God has given you is that. Then that's something of great weight to steward. Okay? In fact, that's what we're going to 
we're going to go to next here. But let me just say, um, it, in fact, I'm just going to pray again. In the name of Jesus, I just pray over everyone here that the enemy's voice shall be silenced in the name of Jesus. We bind the enemy because as we go through some of the guidelines and the example of you, our Lord Jesus, that um, it, sh- it will not, in the name of Jesus, be used to heap rules or, or cause people to feel guilt or failure in the way they're doing things, but rather move us to be disciples that can powerfully steward testimony in freedom in the name of Jesus. Okay? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. And then it goes on and says, um, and do you understand? Um, oh, here I go. Biblical freedom, you understand that's not what we normally think of as freedom, okay? In this world, freedom is like, um, okay, it's lack of bondage. It's, it's the ability to do whatever the heck you want. That's freedom, okay? So like in America, freedom is the ability, um, everyone has the freedom to work hard and change your status or change your state of life. It's supposed to be the freedom in this country and for the most part still is. Biblical freedom is the ability to do well, okay? It's the, it's the ability to do well, not the license to do whatever the heck you want. You see? It's biblical freedom. It's that freedom, the ability to do well. So when we talk about stewarding testimony, we're talking about the ability, the, ability, the freedom to do it well, not a heaping of rules, does that make you scaring me a little? Give me a nod. Okay, is that good? Okay. Then it goes on and says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Now, you all know this is one of my favorites. It's not the first time I'm reading this here. But I want to tell you, do you know that the Old Testament word for glory, of course, we're reading in the New Testament, but the Old Testament word for glory is weight. Did you know that? In other words, and he's moving you from glory to glory. Look, in other words, he wants to put a greater weight and a greater weight and a greater weight of being able to steward, of being able to carry his greatness. Now, that could sound, um, that could feel ominous, right? But here's my prayer. I hope that that makes you feel loved. Do you understand the honor (laughs) Of that, that is not an honor. He doesn't mean to heap something on your head that you can't carry, (laughs) okay? He means to give you the honor of going glory from one glory to a higher glory, being able to carry more and more weight of the kingdom in a kind of freedom where you are powerful and participating with him. That's an honor. That's, if that doesn't make you feel loved, (laughs) nothing will. I mean, think about what that is. You know, it's like um, I think about um, I'm a father, um, not nearly as good of a father as he is, but I think about, so for example, um, I withhold nothing. You know the word of God says he withholds no spiritual blessing. Do you know that? Okay. Um, And so why does it feel like so much of the time so much is withheld? (laughs) Anybody feel that way or is it just me sometimes? Well, it's kind of a lying feeling because let me tell you what's going on. He's true when he says he doesn't withhold anything. But just like I am with my son, you know, everything I have is his. It's, It's true right now. 
There's no way I would ever withhold anything from him. But I will also not have him steward the weight of something that he can't handle yet. Right? My house is his, but I'm not turning the deed over yet because I have a feeling um, a 10-year-old or 9-year-old at the moment, almost 10, would do a really terrible job maintaining the mortgage. Okay? It's It's a bit weighty for him at the moment, but the house is already his. Does that make sense? Okay, that's how your father is with you. He withholds nothing, but he does want to bring you from glory to glory, carrying a greater and greater weight. That's love. (laughs) Go to Matthew 11 and verse 26. We're still just introducing. We're going to get into stuff. Um, This scripture, I'm using this scripture as... Um, because it, it has two aspects that we've taught about over the last few weeks, and it pulls it right into one scripture. It's what a coincidence that they're both right there together. And it's, um, so I'm just going to go ahead and read this, starting in verse 26. It says, um, Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight, all things, this is Jesus speaking, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, listen, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Did you catch that? That's going to be a really important concept. If, if we go according to plan, we're going to talk about that today, that it's, it's being drawn. Don't laugh like that. <laughs> I'm kidding. Laugh all you want. Um, it's being drawn by him. Okay, we're going to see that in stewarding. Te- I'm just going to give you the answer now. If we're going to steward testimony, we're going to be a spirit-led people. <laughs> Period. We're going to find out that obedience is all about how we steward the ark of the testimony, the things God has given you for power, for his kingdom, to, to have the joy of participating. Okay, if we're going to steward that, it's going to be obedience. It's going to be a spirit-led people. Okay, and then verse 28 goes on and says, Come to me, we talked about this last week, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Now watch the peculiar thing he does. Um, How many of you were here last week? Can I see a... Oh, good, that's awesome. Okay, and don't worry if you weren't. We'll make it make sense here. But um, he says, Take the yoke and I give you rest. Okay, but then just next, he says, um, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now look, he says, I'm going to give you rest. And then he talks, starts talking about a yoke. Isn't that odd? Now, um, what I want to tell you, do you know that um, carry, what this is telling you is that the will of God carrying testimony Stewarding that is rest for your soul. Isn't that odd? Do you know why? This, I want to tell you something. You have a yoke. <laughs> In fact, you probably have yokes, <laughs> whether you know it or not. And I want to tell you, the yoke of Jesus is the only one that has ever or will ever fit your design. It's the only one that fits. Every other yoke that you carry is like we're in the wrong size shoes, okay? This is the only yoke that fits the intentional design of God in you. 
That's love. He'd take you from glory to glory. So his yoke is rest. He's gentle. Come learn from me. He's gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. He finishes by saying, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why is it light? It's the, say what? He's done it all. He carries the weight of it, and it's the first yoke of responsibility. It's the first yoke that actually fits who you are in truth. Amen. Okay, before we move on, I want to tell you um, something about testimony. Um, And we've talked about this. It it might be kind of a reminder for some of you who've been in this whole series. But you understand, we think of testimony as a story. And look, it is. All right? How many of you know that when you just tell the story of God's greatness, in other words, the ways that he's acted for you, how he's saved you, what he's provided, how he's healed you, and so forth, just when you tell that story, how many of you have just told your story and seen the Spirit of God begin to change someone's life or move them toward him? Okay, just with the story, right? But I'm going to tell you something, and it's important you understand this, that testimony is, there's a doing aspect of testimony too. In terms of, um, let me give a good example here. Um, Okay, when, um, when the Spirit of God leads you to pray for somebody, and now what I'm talking about is the prayer of faith, where you're moved, where someone has a need, someone has something, so you step up to pray, and you say, can I pray for you? Is it okay if I put my hands on you, and you begin to pray for them? Do you understand that's the power of testimony? That's the presence of God moving. That's the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Testimony. Why do I say that? Would you do that if, would you offer to pray for someone in that way if you didn't have faith that it is who God is to answer like this? That God's moving me like this. If you've never seen God move in that way before, if, you've, if you have no testimony of him acting in love like that for someone before, would you be stepping forward to do this? Now, you see, the way you live, the actions that you take in the kingdom of God like that are testimony. Do you understand? When you step up to do that, you're saying, I know him this way. Or you would never be, step, you would never be stepping up to pray like that. You'd never have a sick person come to you and you go, you go, you know, Jesus is a healer. I don't know what he's going to do, but I'm feeling moved to pray for you. Can I pray for you? You understand you're declaring who God is when you do that. That's testimony. You're saying, I know him this way. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay, it's really important to look at it that way as we move forward because this morning we're going to start to dig, like I've been threatening for weeks, we're going to dig into some of the practicals of obedience and the stewardship of that kingdom inheritance that you carry. You know, it's an inheritance too, right? Okay. Um, if you want to start turning to Mark 8, and usually I try to stick, have a primary passage, but I'm just, we're just going to jump all over to wrap up the series, okay? Mark chapter 8, and we're going to be in verse 13. And while you turn there, I'm just going to start to kind of set this up. Um, Jesus is at a point in his ministry, he's miraculously fed crowds of people twice. So what's he doing? He's making testimony, right? He's revealing the Father, provider Father. 
a good, good father who loves, he's manifesting it in this earth. He's, he's doing what the father does. Why? Because he only does what, what, the fa- what he sees the father doing. Right? So he does this twice. He, and I believe it's, I might have this wrong because I kind of pulled this up this part this morning, but I believe it's Mark 6. He feeds 5,000 with a couple of fragments and the disciples take up leftovers. <laughs> Do you know our God is so good that, that when he provides miraculously, there's leftovers. Now he doesn't waste them. He tells the disciples, go gather up the leftovers. He never wastes. <laughs> Then he does it again in Mark 8. He feeds 4,000 and they take up leftovers. Okay? So you understand this is testimony. He's making testimony. He's declaring who the Father is when he's doing this. Okay? Now, in uh, Mark 8 and chapter 13, I mean, chapter 8 and verse 13, I'm going to start reading, and this is a conversation with his disciples. Okay? It says, and he left them, and getting into the boat, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, so look at that detail. Isn't that, isn't that an interesting detail to put in? Um, it's in the narrative. They're getting in a boat to go to the other side, and, and the writer, um, the Holy Spirit, in the writer here wants to tell you they only have one loaf of bread with them just note that okay isn't that odd and it says then he charged them saying this is jesus take heed beware of the leaven of the pharisees and the leaven of herod and they reasoned among themselves saying it is because we have no bread i'm going to keep reading so stay there now listen so in other words what jesus wants to disciple them. He wants to move them on to another glory. Okay? He's talking at another level. What's he talking about? The leaven. In other words, he wants to start teaching them about the things that will come against so you can carry a greater weight of my glory, so you can minister even greater. So he says the world has a certain leaven that's going to come against and, the, and religion uh, has a certain leaven that's going to come against. And he's talking on this deep level and they are all worried about um, whose job was it to bring the bread? He must be talking about, they, you know, in other words, how, how many of you know or who's with me that you hit these places in life where you're, you're so saturated with the worries of what you're trying to handle and juggle that God's trying to speak and you're so far from the wavelength of the Spirit because you're sapped in your worries that you just can't even track. Okay, that's what, that's what we're reading, but I'm going to show you something even more powerful. It goes on in verse 17. It says, But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Now listen, they're about to get a real scolding here. I mean, g- gather the tone here. He says, which I don't think he does. That we, we don't see it that often unless he's like scolding, I mean, talking to the Pharisees or religious leaders who want to drag people into death. Well, then you see it from him almost all the time. But with the, <laughs> with the disciples, you don't see it that often. Here he says, do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? And he starts to go, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said to him, 12. 
12 baskets of leftovers, okay? And then, and then he said to them, um, oh, also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven baskets of leftovers, okay? And so he said to them, how is it you do not understand? Harsh, right? So what's going on? Why does he take this, this tone? Why does he do this with them? And, and I'll just um, tell you why. Because they didn't, listen, they didn't step up into the weight of the glory that has been provided for them. These are the guys with their own hands who distributed a couple of measly baskets and then took up leftovers after thousands ate from it. Twice. <laughs> and they took up the fragments. And now they're, they're so worried about bread, about the provision of God, they can't even track with him. Do you understand? So it's out of love that he's so harsh with them. You see what they forgot the Ark of the Testimony. Are you catching it? They have a testimony that gives them a faith to steward a weight of glory of God that's higher than where they're at. And it's upsetting to Jesus. <laughs> he's going, I've given you testimony. Where's your, what are you thinking? Where's your mind? Do you think I'm talking about the fact that you only brought one loaf of bread? I'm trying to take you to the next glory. I'm trying to make you a steward of testimony in a way that you minister at this weight of glory. They forgot the ark of the testimony for those of you who have been with us in this whole series. Do you know that um, you do not take ground for the kingdom of God if you're leaving the testimony behind? Okay? It's in an atmosphere of obedience as you take the testimony. That's how God takes ground. He's making you into someone who can carry a heavier and heavier ark if you'll go. Right? Who's going? I'm going. So first of all, I'm going to give several practicals and after this, the rest are going to kind of go along faster, but I just want to give you the first one. First of all, if you're going to steward testimony, um, you're ever ready to operate in the faith of what God's done for you, in the faith of who he's allowed you to, to know him, okay? I'm not heaping a rule. I'm just saying he's been active in your life. Raise your hand if he's been active in your life. Okay, you have the power of testimony to steward. You are, it is his will that you operate in the faith of that. I'm not picking on you. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the <laughs> I might be the slowest learner sometimes of all. There are times I've seen God, um, let's just take a really silly one, fi financial stuff in my past where I've watched God um, just miraculously provide, kind of like feeding 5,000 people where I look back at it and I go, I don't even know how my wife and I made it through that, much less I look back and I'm like, you know, I didn't even see, like the standard of living didn't even change for us. The math will never make sense. And yet this week something can happen where I can go, oh my goodness, I don't know how we're going to do this financially. Okay, that's the story that we're reading right here. When you... 
He does love you enough to want you to operate in the faith of what he's done before. That's bringing the testimony with you so you can take ground. See, if you're still stuck in what he's done back there and that doesn't become part of your faith, you're not headed anywhere. Amen? Amen. Okay. Okay. Okay, go to John 8. We're almost done with the introduction. I'm kidding. (laughs) Not really, though. John 8, we'll start in verse 10. And while you're going there, I'm going to set this up because I have, I have so many little things that I think God, God wants to pull together this morning that I'm, I'm given fragments. I know I don't usually go that way, but this is the story of the woman caught in adultery. Okay? I know you, most of you, if not all of you, you know this story. Now I'm going to tell you um, what this story is about. This is about really... At the bottom line, this is about Jesus changing the verdict for a woman. Has anybody known God as a verdict changer? <laughs> I love that face. <laughs> That's my wife's face, so I love it in so many ways. But um, yeah, this is a story of Jesus changing a verdict. You know what this is? The, the, you know the story. The religious leaders are hauling, out, hauling her out and they, they throw her down and they're, and they're saying, you know what she did? They've already passed the verdict. And, and the law of Moses says that now she has to be killed by stones. They're going to throw stones at her and kill her. And starting in verse 10, it says, when Jesus had raised himself up, I, I jumped all the way to the end of the story, sorry about that, had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, Where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? See, he changed the verdict. She was condemned a minute ago. And now she's not. And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Why? This is true about the Father's nature. And our God is one. This is true about the nature of Jesus. He did not come to condemn but to save. He's a verdict changer. Okay, so he made a testimony here. Actually, let me finish this. Verse 12, he says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Did I read the... Okay, and so he says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Look, the reason I put this in, first of all, it's just always great to stop and remember that Jesus changes our verdict. Okay, thank you, God. But he says, what did he do? He, he makes testimony, which makes her free to go do something different. A minute ago, she was condemned. Now she's free. Testimony changes life. The, the acts of God breaking in change lives so that they're free to go and do something else. Amen? Okay. All right, now I'm going to show you one more foundation and we're going to jump into those practicals. Go to John chapter 5. We're going to kind of be throughout John here. Um, and verse 19. In fact, this is a building theme. We're going to do something out of chapter 5, chapter 8, and then we're going to John 14. And it's a progression that I could read the entire gospel to show you the progression, but you would be unhappy with me. So we won't. 
And so here's Jesus' M.O. Do you know what Jesus' M.O. is? Verse 19, it says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Okay, that's a principle. You know, Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. This is going somewhere, but you got to get that one. Um, Give me a nod or something. You hear that? Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. You know, there's endless good things to do. I could give you a list and send you home with it. Um, You could wash my car. No. (laughs) There's endless good things to do. But Jesus, he's far more than an example. So don't hear me say he's just an example or something crazy like that. Um, But as our example, as as a spirit-filled minister himself who set the example, he only did what he saw the Father doing. And that is so critical. That's going to tie right into the stewardship of your testimony. Do you remember last week we said the power of God, the presence of God, testimony has the ability to both gather and scatter. It has the ability to condemn and send people to death. It's powerful like that. It also has the ability to draw them to life, to him, to eternal life, right? It's powerful. It's, it's, a, it's a weight to steward a testimony. Okay. And he says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. Do you believe the Father wants to show you what he would have you do? Yeah. Look, I'm just going to allude to your knowledge of, of their carrying of the Ark of the Testimony, okay? It was always in an atmosphere of what obedience okay just because in fact after the service i had a conversation with someone in here who was saying well what about the time and and um they there's a story where they um they left they forgot the ark kind of like the disciples did in this in this feeding the people story they forgot the ark and they went into battle and they had a horrible slaughtering And then they went, oh, we forgot the ark. So they went back and they got the ark and they took it out to battle and they got slaughtered twice as bad. (laughs) Why? That's it. They thought that they could just wield God like he was some sort of tool, like, oh, just go get the ark, we'll be fine. And they go, let's wield God like religion. Well, that that was twice as bad. (laughs) it's in an atmosphere of obedience, not just having a testimony. You hear me? Stewarding your testimony, the very great power God has for you in obedience releases heaven in this place. You don't get to wield, you don't get to do whatever the heck you want. You see, freedom, freedom is having the ability to do well with what God has given you. It's not doing whatever you want. I could tell some stories but <laughs> about me being that biblical story, thinking, oh, well, I know how I've done this with God before. I know how this works. And man, can, can God do some things to get, <laughs> to get you back on course? Maybe someday I'll tell you about some of the pummelings I've gone through because he loves me that much. Okay. Um, skip forward to John eight. 
and verse 28. I just really want to make sure you got this, that even Jesus, you understand that even Jesus, <laughs> it was an atmosphere, it was obedience to the Father that caused the Spirit, what? At his baptism, the Spirit came upon and remained. It was obedience that causes the Spirit to come upon and remain. Amen? Does that make sense? Okay. Here in verse 28, Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself. Do you know you do nothing of yourself? At least not anything worthwhile. <laughs> well, I, we got nothing. We really got nothing. But as my Father taught me, I speak these things. He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. Now, I can stand here in front of you today and tell you that I do not always do those things that please him. Jesus did. Um, I don't, and I've noticed, I've noticed a trend. Anybody else notice this? That when I don't, it doesn't go that well a lot of the time. And when I do, you can really see God bust out and love some people when you carry what he's done for you and it's in an atmosphere of obedience. He never ceases to blow my mind. Okay, and go to John 14 and verse 12. I'm not sure why I put this in here. So I'm going to go ahead and read it, and we're just going to see why maybe this is in here. <laughs> it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Can you imagine he loves you that much? This is the prophecy that Jesus speaks over you. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Okay, I'm going to keep, I'm going to read that next verse there, but um, let's just say this. Note that this really is the same thing we just read. Jesus' example in your context now. Why is it in his name? I mean, I know all the time we say we pray this in your name, and there's nothing wrong with saying it like, um, as long as it's not a religious thing, why do we say in your name? Because we need, to, <laughs> we need to remember that it's in him that it's granted, right? So just like Jesus said, I do what my Father does. And so when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus, we're saying we're in him. We're in God. And that's, that's why he grants it. He doesn't need us to say it like a magical incantation. We need to say it most of the time because we need to remind ourselves from the status, from what he's done for us, from where we make this prayer. Amen? And then he goes and says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Is that because he wanted to make sure you have enough rules heaped on you? No, because he loves you like that, because he's crazy about you. That's why he says, if you love me, keep my commandments, because he wants to take you to the next glory. It's in obedience that he gets to take ground with you. He wants you to do these greater things. 
Not because he needs you to, but because he's so crazy in love with you that he knows it will be your joy to be in him doing those things. And he wants you to fulfill the prophecy with him. He wants you to do greater things. Okay. This one's been on my heart for like three weeks and I've just been waiting for permission. So go to John. We're backing up now. Go to John chapter 5. This is what we've been talking about in Jesus' life in action. Okay? You're literally going to see a picture of him doing it in action. Not, not his words, but this is how it can look. <clears throat> chapter 5, verse 1. It says, After this... There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, keep your finger there. We have to talk about this context for a minute. In other words, you've got to see this place. Um, uh, they knew about this, right? So there, there would be, um, to picture this place, there would be crowds of people. In fact, in fact not just any people, but let's say a demographic, <laughs> All the people that are so desperate for their healing that they're willing to go to kind of a nasty place because it would be all the infirmed, all the sick, all the people that had desperate, horrible problems would be gathered up around this pool. Really kind of unpleasant. And it was all for if the, if the first one, only the first one who could get in when the angel stirred the water would get their healing. Can you imagine? Now that's the scene. Now, now hold on to that. If you've imagined that before, I think we're about to do something. We're about to look at Jesus really intensely. Okay, so go. I am at verse 5. And now this is the story of a man, right? So we're about to talk testimony. The act of God breaking in for a particular man. God loves the man. Jesus because he's one with the Father and he does what he sees the Father do, loves the man. Okay, and I think you've seen that part before, but it says, now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. That's a long time. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said, do you want to be made well? Now listen, I'm going to tell you the end of the story. He makes him well. Because that's what he does for a living. Okay? But I want, you, I want to back up for a minute. Do you realize what this means? Picture the scene again. Are you with me? There's crowds of sick people who need testimony. They need the presence of God. They basically live at this place because they're desperate. That's why they're at the pool. Now, can you imagine? Jesus had to walk through that crowd to get to this man. Do you know, do you realize that means he had to walk past <laughs> hurting, desperate people that he didn't stop at? 
Have you ever thought of that before? Now, I don't know how, you know, he felt. Um, I think I do. <laughs> I think it was breaking his heart because when I read the story in the Spirit of God in me, I read the story in the Spirit. It, it breaks my heart. I think, oh, how did he do that? And I have to tell you, God's been using this in my life lately. You know, how many of you have done the attempt of like you're trying to do everything you're just ramping and you're pushing too hard and you're trying to do everything for everybody and and you're you're slowly breaking down and if you don't I'm the only one no there's others okay <laughs> good I was about to quit there for a second <laughs> and he's used this story um, I make it sound like that's ancient history like th- two three weeks ago he really used this powerful powerfully for me to, to back me off Like, do you know that he's not asking you to do everything? He's asking you to do what the Spirit puts on your heart that you see the Father doing. Jesus had to walk through the people in order to get to what he saw the Father doing. This man. Jesus did. Yeah, he says, um, we talked about, he says, my yoke is easy, right? Why is it, why is it easy? Because you're not God. <laughs> Jesus is. So, in other words, okay, now we're going to do it. Now here we are. Um, in other words, There is an aspect of obedience in stewarding testimony. Whether we're talking about um, the story of God's greatness in your life that has transforming power, or we're talking about the Spirit leading you to, um, to do things for people, to carry the ark in a way, to minister through prayer or word of knowledge or, or whatever, whatever it is the Spirit's leading you to do, um, whichever we're talking about, it's it, just like the Ark of the Testimony, um, it is going to be an atmosphere of obedience that releases that. And, and there is guidance, okay? Um, let me put this out there. Did you ever notice that Jesus never tells someone's testimony? In all, in all of what you read, I often have people come up and go, show me the scripture where it says that. Well, I'm sorry I can't do that because I'm telling you about an omission. <laughs> he never, it's never recorded that he ever goes out and starts touting someone else's testimony. Do you notice that? But what does he do? He tells them, he gives specific instruction to them about what to do with their testimony. Do you know that that's true for you? Um, He acts powerfully on your behalf. He gives you testimony. You have an ark to carry. (laughs) He wants to bring you from glory to glory. He He wants the Spirit to come upon you and remain. He wants you to carry the glory of that testimony, the ability of heaven. But he's not gonna do it for you. Isn't that peculiar? He actually wants you to go lay your hands on somebody and pray. He actually wants you to tell the story. He doesn't tell it for you. He didn't do it um, where it's recorded here, and he still doesn't do it. But 
he does give instruction for how to steward the weight of that responsibility. Now I'm going to show you some stories just in case they, I, I already see some, um, some smoking brains, at least a few. So, um, and actually you don't even have to put, John 14, 6, I'm just going to throw this out there. Don't try to turn there. You won't be fast enough. It says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, I think we're really good at the fact that he's the truth and the life. Well, I mean, at least like I know in my story, like I, I couldn't possibly doubt it. I, I remember what death was. <laughs> I remember what it was pre-Jesus in my life, and it's, it's really death-filled. And so I've got it. He's the, he's the truth. He's the life. But did you catch he's the way? In other words, there is a way. He does have ways. <laughs> It's not, um, it's not I've got a powerful testimony and so I just go wield it carelessly on whoever's in front of me. <laughs> That's not the way. He's, he actually has ways. He's the way. I see disturbed faces. Let's do this. Um, has anybody ever, have, has anybody ever um, bombarded you? With a testimony over and over until you're just like, oh gosh, I got it already. Huh? My brother's just pointing out that I've done it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And your brother is really graceful about it. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't just wield it carelessly on somebody and actually either last week or the week before we read a story of someone who was kind of careless that way um what was the story um uh, it doesn't matter but you don't just you don't just wield it have you ever seen um the flip side you know what happens to i've got to tell you this one and i was really careful the spirit checked my spirit this morning because i was going to tell a story and then i thought you know the person could actually listen to this and then I'd be hurting someone. So I'm not going to say what the phrase was, but I had a Christian in my life. We'll just put it that way. Wonderful person. Love the person. But kind of like parrot Christian stuff where um, they had a testimony. I have to speak in code here. They had a testimony, something very powerful God did in their life. And it didn't matter what circumstance. I'd be on the phone. It didn't matter what we were talking about, what circumstance it was. They would quote this one little fragment out of this bigger scripture passage every time. And it just got to the point that it was like, oh, I'm not even going to call you anymore. Because it was being carelessly wielded. Do you understand? You can become a parrot Christian where you say you're living on this old testimony and you wield it on people. And it doesn't have anything to do with, it's not what God's doing. See, what the Father is doing is so important. If you're going to be powerful in testimony, powerful in the kingdom, then, then you're being spirit-led. Now, I'm not heaping a rule on you. Remember, in the atmosphere of the spirit is freedom. It's freedom to do well that he wants to give. He guides because he loves you. Not because he's got a rule book that you really need to follow the rule book. It's because he loves you. So he guides so that you're free to do well. Amen? 
Whoops. Okay. <laughs> okay, here's what I'm going to do. I got it. What do you want to do, Lord? <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm going to give you examples of this from the Scripture. And I'm going to show you how this works. Okay, so go to... Um, I'm in the wrong spot. Yeah, let's go here. Mark 8 and verse 22. Is that where I was anyway? Okay. Here Jesus heals a blind man. I'm just going to read a couple of stories real quick because I'm going to show you I'm going to show you how he does, how it's recorded. He gives intentionally because he loves you. He gives instruction for how to, to move in power in an atmosphere of obedience in your testimony. So here in verse 22, it says, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. Okay, first of all, do you just see right there already? Do you see that um, there, this is an atmosphere of obedience? Jesus was really good at it, okay, in the spirit. I believe that he already saw the father healing this blind man. Do you believe that too? He already knew the father was going to do it. But do you, isn't it interesting? I mean, it records that he took and led him out of town. Now, you can s suppose things from all of my studying and, pull and researching Scripture and knowing God. Um, I have some theories. I think he had to take, personally, I think he had to take him out of an atmosphere of unbelief and take him somewhere else because there's a lot of unbelief in this place. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you over here. Um, there's lots of Scripture to support that. If you interpret differently, it's, it's fine. But he, had, he took him out of town. He didn't rush into something immediately. There was a way. Now we're talking about Jesus who could have just went, who could have just went, your eyes are opened. But he took him by the hand and he led him out of town. Now this is one of the most encouraging scriptures in the Bible to me. This next part, it says, and when he had spit on the eyes, first of all, can you imagine using that technique? <laughs> that technique? I mean, just, <laughs> I mean, yeah, come on up here. Oh, you need a healing? Come on up. I'm just going to spit on you. <laughs> right? He must have seen the Father doing that. That's all I'm saying because you don't just make that stuff up like willy-nilly. And put his hands on him and asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Do you see that Jesus had to go twice? That's so encouraging to me. <laughs> I mean, the times I've prayed for someone's healing, like I'm on like the 12th time. Well, you know, like the three months later and 12 times later, I'm going, well, come on, let's pray again. I got the same faith I had the first time. Let's, let's see what God wants to do. And we pray again. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to presuppose or short-circuit God. All I know is he's leading me to say, can I pray for you? I see the Father wants me to pray for you. Can I pray for you? And here Jesus had to go twice. 
Then he sent him away to his house saying, now here it is, here's really why we're reading this, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Isn't that peculiar? He told him, don't tell anybody. You know that God can do the most powerful things God does for you. In fact, let's, let's do it this way. The more powerful it is what God does through you or for you, the heavier the weight of the stewardship of that thing. Do you know that? Do you know that you can walk into a room and you can, you can begin to wield your faith, tell your story, minister in a way that will, that will be so harmful to that room, it's unbelievable. Because of the power of God in it. In fact, we're doing really good here. Go to 1 Corinthians and chapter 13 and I'm going to show you why that is. While you're turning there, two things. You're always going to find this. Jesus doesn't tell or carry the testimony for you. And he does give you instructions so that you can operate in obedience with that love. Verse 13. No, verse 1. Chapter 13, verse 1. This is the love chapter, right? We're heading up towards Valentine's Day, so we better read this. It's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. You see, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing that's just for sure, and I know this will resonate with you. It just has to be said. If you think you're going to take the power th powerful things of God, his love in your life, the way that he saved you, the way he's given you breakthroughs, the way he's provided, the way he's healed you, your body or your inner healing, whatever he's done for you. If you think you're going to take that testimony and bless other people <laughs> in the power of God's story in that testimony, in your actions without love, <laughs> it's not going to, and I mean love for the one that you hope to bless, okay? One thing about, about obedience and testimony is you are talking about being other-focused. It's a funny thing. When you start to carry that ark on behalf of all the people, priests that are carrying the testimony, the very presence, the very power of God, when you're stewarding that responsibility, you, you have suddenly, it's no longer purely about what he did for you. It's all about other. It's all about the Spirit of God revealing to you how such a very great power <laughs> can be brought into another's life. Amen? It's gonna, you know that God, 
better than any person I've ever known. Jesus loves more individually, more personally than anyone I've known. And if you're going to carry the power of Jesus, you're going you're to love like he did. Now, you're not capable of doing that, but the Holy Spirit is, and the Holy Spirit is in you. He's ever trying to guide you to be, to be all about the other, all about the one that he wants to love. You have powerful testimony, but you don't just get to go wield that any old way you want. It'll be a spirit-led person that where the spirit of God is making, is making you hunger and want to, is creating the love that makes you so other-focused that you can discern what the Father is doing. I love that Paul busted out in, that, in, in the mini testimony this morning because he couldn't hurt, help himself. I, I think that that's obedience. And um, have, y'all, have you ever noticed that, has anybody in here ever told your testimony exactly the same way twice? No, because, why? Because testimony is all, you don't need it. God already did that for you. <laughs> when you're telling that story, it's all about the other it's all about God wants to love the other. When you walk up to prison, now look, I'm, I'm, I love God so much that I'm, I don't call me a junkie or whatever. I, I love participating with God, and I am so honored that he invites me to do it. And so believe me, when I'm praying for somebody, I'm like, I'm like a kid in a candy shop. I'm just like, oh, what, you know, what are you going to do, God? This is so cool. What do you want to, we're praying for healing. I love being a part of it. And I'll tell you something, it's, it's love for the other that moves heaven to break out. Where the spirit of God is in a spirit of obedience, where you're more concerned with what the Father is doing. Do you know how many times someone will come to me and, and um, oh, I, I'm going to make up a totally fake example. So if this is true about you, I'm not talking about you, I'm making this up. Somebody will come with like headaches and can you pray for me? I have these chronic headaches. And I'll begin to pray. And, and, and God will begin to reveal that it, that's not what I'm doing. I want to do this other thing. And the next thing I know, we're talking about what God really wants to do for them. And it's so much more significant than, than healing the headaches. And in the process, I find out, like I'll talk to them um, and this is a total hypothetical, but I'll talk to them like three weeks later and, and they'll go, the headaches are gone. And I'll be like, oh, that doesn't surprise me. But they got something far better than if I just stood there and said, and said, Lord, we ask for the will of heaven in the cells of this person's head. We ask that the headaches stop. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? It's, it is um, the example of Jesus. And here, we'll just close with this. It's the, the bottom line is that even Jesus ministered in the power of the Spirit. God himself, when he walked in the flesh, ministered in the power of the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit, motivated by love. He didn't carelessly wield the great things of God. And the great things of God, the way he's loved you, the way he's loved through you, the testimonies that you have that have given you a relationship where you can say, I know him like this. You can walk up to a person and say, I know God. 
And I know he's like this. How do you know that? Because he's done it for me before. <laughs> or I, I believe he wants to do this for you. How do you know that? Because, because he's had me pray for people and he's wanted to do it for them before. And I just see the Father doing it in the guidance of the Spirit, okay, is what releases that. I've had people coming asking me about, well, are you just saying that I shouldn't be so enthusiastic that I go that I just want to go and minister and, and do this with everybody. And it's like, well, no, I mean, go do it with everybody. All I know is, is the example of Jesus is that when you carry the power of testimony in the atmosphere of obedience, as one that's led by the Spirit, you're listening for what the Spirit wants to do. You're other-focused. There's no bounds on it. There's leftovers. <laughs> when, it's in, when it's in obedience to the Spirit and, the power, when, and you didn't forget to bring your faith with you, you brought the testimony, you're bringing the ark with you. You're living from that faith in an atmosphere of obedience. You can't tap the bottom of it. There's, he takes up leftovers. I think I better stop. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do, though. Um, um, before I just close in prayer, is it okay if I pray for you all? Okay. Before I do that, I just want to say one thing. If you're, um, and I don't always do this. I don't do this too often, but I just feel this today. If you're here this morning and you're listening to this and you're thinking, I don't have that kind of testimony, like, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I've never really had God love me in some powerful way that changes the way I believe. Or, and I've never had him bust in and do something crazy loving like that. I just want to tell you something this morning. He is crazy in love with you. He is nuts about you. And, and you know, I can almost promise you that that, that testimony is actually there because he's been pursuing you since the day you were born. And um, we don't want you to walk out of here not knowing him, okay? So if you're here and you're saying, I don't have a story like that. I don't know the touch of God in my life that way. I'm going to be up here and actually, can, can I get um, some living water people? Can you raise your hands so I can see where you are? Just in case, will you all come up right after also? And... Um, and if you just also, if you came and you just would love to be prayed for this morning, I don't care what it's about, um, come up here and we want to do that too, okay? And, and um, Jesus wants to have this relationship with you. If, this, if any of this has made you hungry and you say, I haven't had that before, but I want to walk with God like that. I want to be a carrier of the glory of God. He's been waiting for you. So come on up just after. Stand up and let me pray for you. If you can, stand up. Father God, we thank you for the amazing love, the amazing privilege, the honor of the way that you love us, that you have uh, made us carriers of your glory, that you want to bring us from glory to glory will never cease to amaze me. 
And I pray that a spirit of amazement in that love would just come over this place. And Father, I pray that you would um, put a blessing on this entire teaching series that we're finishing up this morning. That you would protect the seeds. I pray for every single seed that you've planted over the last month. That you'd protect it, that it would find good soil, and that you'd be making mighty trees. That it's going to grow into a glorious body that carries your testimony. Father, that you would be making a people that, that make breakthroughs in people's lives all over our county or just start in our families. <laughs> that you'd make breakthroughs in our families. Um, marriages that are the envy of the world. I speak that in the name of Jesus. And households um, that are so blessed um, in spirit that, you're the en- that, that it's the envy of our community, that you draw people by the jealousy of testimony, that you touch people with your loving touch for, for healing, for breakthrough, for, for freedom from bondage in the name of Jesus. And Father, I ask that you would continue to teach even as we move into new subjects that Holy Spirit, you said that we would be taught by God and I believe you. And so Father, I just pray that the Spirit would be upon them even into the future, the weeks, the months, the years ahead, that you would be ever teaching them from glory to glory how to steward your great love for others. In the name of Jesus, amen.